here this morning. We pray, Father, you just give us comfort, Lord, our dear sister. And Father, we just thank you for our church as a whole, that you bless each and every member of our church. And a lot of sickness, be with Sister Valerie, dear Lord, and, and Brother Matt, and Father, that you work in their lives, dear Lord. And we pray, Father, that you just touch them and raise her up, dear Lord. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> the Sunday school outline I have this morning is we're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And this lesson that I study it, I've never never really thought a lot about it. I mean, I've thought a lot about it, but I've never really never thought, you know, the title is the devices that Satan uses against us. You know, you know the devil. He wants to. He wants to try his best to bring us down to his level. Because it seems like the closer you get to the Lord, the harder he works to to uh, destroy you. But in Second Corinthians chapter two, Second Corinthians chapter two. Beginning with uh, verse, uh, we'll start with verse 1. <clears throat> but I determined <clears throat> this with myself, that I would not come again to you in heaviness. For if I make you sorry, who is, who is he then that maketh me glad, but the same which is made sorry by me? And I write, or I wrote this same unto you, at least when I came, I should have sorrow from them, of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all, that my joy is in the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. But if any have caused grief, he have, grieved, he have not grieved me, but in part that I may not overcharge you all, sufficient is sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many, so that contrarywise ye ought to rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should swallow up with overmuch sorrow. But here we read here that you know the you know. Satan, he wants, you know, his best to take advantage of us. And we shouldn't be ignorant of his devices. You know, he, he uses many things to bring you down. He'll use people against you. He'll use false religion against you. He'll, uh, wherever, whatever it is. And I got some, uh, a few points here or several little points. Uh, the first one is disappointment. You know, we all have, you know, been disappointed at one time. You know, somebody may be a disappointment to you, you know, and you're right there with them, and they end up a messed up or whatever and being a disappointment. But in First Peter, if we turn over to First Peter, First Peter chapter 5, First Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 7, he says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about to seeking whom he may devour. 
And that's one of the things that I think a lot of Christians do when they get in the, into a mess. They don't cast all their cares up on the Lord. You know, through times, uh, through sorrow, you know, sometimes you, you want to give up. Uh, but he says here, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walk about seeking whom he may devour. And that's what he does, and he, and he, and he tries his best. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. We'd be flipping back and forth a lot of scriptures. Second <clears throat> Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed in the son of perdition. You know, I think we're living in that last days, you know, that a great falling away. I mean, look at our churches today. They're falling apart. Because this world, you know, a lot, a lot of, you know, the world is trying to influence our, especially our young people. Drawn, drawn away. <clears throat> uh, I don't know why I get choked out big crying all morning. Anyways, First Thessalonians chapter two, verse three. We read, "Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition." It is a disappointment. This world has nothing to offer. It is a big disappointment. You know, a lot of people. You know, they they. They say, well, I'm going to keep on keeping on doing, you know. I think the, our problems of disappointment, when we get out of the Word of God, when we don't turn to God, when we don't pray, you know, that's a big disappointment. Oh, excuse me. Uh, the next point I had is discouragement. Discouragement. It's a, you know, at least a lot of people get so discouraged about the things of the world and they let the world get close to them. Uh, Philippians Philippians chapter 4 Philippians chapter 4 Oh, thank you. Excuse me. Philippians chapter 4 Beginning with verse 4. <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. You know, we need to be an encouragement to one another. Despite what this world offers, despite the problems we go through. You know, we should be, like when we come to church... To worship God in spirit and truth, to celebrate the Lord, we also need to help out each other, because life is—it's tough. It is tough in this world, and this world has, like I say, it just has nothing to offer, and it is a big discouragement. All the things that are going on in this country and around the world, we got to keep our eyes on the Lord, because those things are going to come to pass before He comes back. And we got to face that. But we got to encourage one another. 
My next point is despair. That's another thing that the devil tries his best. It's a complete loss or absence of hope. You know, living in despair. Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eight. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. You know, living in despair. You know, a lot of people, you know, they... They, they have a lot of trouble in their life. And just just a normal person that, you know, always has everything going good and all that. And when they come to face problems or they can't handle problems, they, they'll turn to alcohol or they'll turn to whatever it is to, to get their mind off of it. They use that to, and it ends up it's going to destroy you. You know, and, and living in despair where we have to be, we have to stay close to the Lord. And he's our only hope. My other point is doubt. This this one here, we all know the story of it. Over in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. You know, doubt, which we all know the story about this. When uh, Satan attacks Eve in the garden, he says here in verse 3, he said, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. He had, he, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And there he just planted that seed in her mind. Put a little doubt, put a little bit of doubt. What did the woman say? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. And here he planted that seed in there and got her thinking, Okay, you know, I can be, I can, it won't, I ain't going to die. If I do this thing, I'm not going to have her, all this stuff going on. I mean, it's like the people I work with, you know, sometimes I joke around with them and I can make them change their mind on so many things and they'll, they'll go to this. And I say, you know, I'm just joking. I shouldn't be doing that. Uh, you know, or they or just joking around a lot, you know, uh, about doubt and stuff. But here, Adam or uh, Eve, where the devil has planted that seed in her mind, just planted that. And all of a sudden, it just caused her to start thinking. And this is like what, then she started questioning what God said. Exactly what he said here. She even repeated it to the devil. He said, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the, the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not, ye shall not surely die. 
For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open as ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And when you sit there and you start questioning God's word, and right here's the good example of it. Well, it's good for food. Well, it's like if you come to church, you know, well, if I just miss one time, I ain't going to bother. It's no big deal. I ain't going to tithe. I'm not going to participate. I'm not, I'm not going to sing for the Lord. I'm not, you know, whatever it is, you don't want to witness. It all adds up to it. It makes you start questioning, you know, what you do. But God, you know, He tells us, I mean, He tells us in His Word, you know, if He saved you, He saved you for a reason. He gave you one particular job. I don't know what that is. That's between you and God. I mean, he, he, he might be the one to mow or clean church or whatever it is, taking care of whatever of the Lord's. But there is a lot of doubt in this world today. My next point is on disbelief. Disbelief. That's another form of doubt, but in, in Genesis chapter 3, which we read, verse 4 and 5, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth, not, or doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. That is so true of disbelief. And then over to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. Chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3, and verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you in an evil heart of unbelief, and departing from the living God. You know, when he says take keys, you know, he's like, hang on. Brethren, least there be any of you in, of an evil heart of unbelief and, and departing from the, living, from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Least any of you be hardened through your deceitfulness of sins. You know, this old body is going to cause us to have problems. You know, it's... It, we fight against it every day. This old flesh does not like the things of God, does not, you know, when you want to say, hey, I want to read, I want to, and you get that, and that old body's like, I don't feel like, you know, I don't want to, you know, it's just a constant battle. Because I'm, when I look at myself in the mirror, I'm the number one enemy. I'm the one, my, I'm the number one problem is me. You know, and we got to keep on keeping on in, in, in the things of the Lord. We need to exhort one another daily. And we need to encourage one another daily. Another point is distraction. That the one of the this, this is the one that that the devil he uh, uses against us. We can be one can be sidetracked from God's perfect will by family or job or etc. Whatever it could be. 
been in the book of Matthew chapter 14. If we turn over there, please. The book of Matthew chapter 14. The book of Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 30. But when he saw the wind, this is uh, talking about Peter, when they see uh, Jesus walking on the water. I'll start back with verse uh, 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it thou be me, come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous and he was afraid... And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. You know, that's another thing of this world. You know, our families can draw you away. You know, I, I have some family members that seem like they always say, you always go to church on Sunday. Why do you do that for? Why, you, why can't you come down and visit? Why can't you come down and... And and, and I ain't saying it's not it's wrong to go on vacation. Some of us need, probably need a vacation or whatever, need to get away. But when it comes apart, you're, you're staying away from the Lord. And if, you, if, if God is not important, your family is more important than the Lord, I think you've got a problem. But we need to be focused on God. Uh, that's one of the distractions, you know, uh, to forget this. You know, in this world, and I see this at work every day. When when we go, we have our little breaks or whatever. As soon as we, as soon as we have our breaks, everybody's got them phones out, just going 90 mile an hour, just going at it. Their head down, someone run right into the locker, you know. Like, don't even pay attention to what they're doing. And everybody's looking up to seeing what's going on. And, it, and I ain't saying the technology is not wrong, but if it draws you away from the Lord, I I mean, I, I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes I'm sitting there, I'm like, what am I, you know, there ain't nothing on here. There ain't nothing even worth looking at. You know, sometimes people play games, some play, you know, or on Facebook or whatever. You know, it's just a big distraction. And the next point I have is a, a double mind or a double-minded man. Uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, book of Matthew, chapter 6, well, I think I've jumped in the wrong scripture I had here. I can't read my own handwriting here. Go to the book of James. I'm sorry. Book of James. I'll find it here again. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 8. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And then over in the... Uh, Verse 4, or chapter 4 in the same book, chapter 4, uh, verse 8. 
Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye ye double-minded. I mean, I know some people that are double-minded. They they can't they can't work on one task or multiple tasks. They can't handle it, you know. And we see that. And uh, I see a lot of it at work. There's people, you know, in that and they're unstable. Uh, and it it just blows me away, you know. And I, I ain't saying I'm perfect. I, I, st- I mean, I'm messed up. But but here, God has an answer. You know, draw nigh to God. How many of us we really draw nigh to God when we're going through troubles? Do we really draw to Him? Do we focus on Him? Do we ask for help? He's our Heavenly Father. Our earthly Father, they were there when you need of help. Why can't we go to our Heavenly Father? He's the one that saved us. I don't think He's going to cause you to have... Uh, he, he'll, he'll put you through trials, you know. But... Uh, but I think we just don't draw nigh to God and we don't get close to God. A double-minded. We are not able to focus on more than one task. The next point I have, one of the devices I believe that the Satan uses is dishonesty. And we see a lot of that today. I see it at the workplace. I mean, there's... There's people who try to cheat you out of everything, or they'll lie to you. And I hate to say this, you know, we got grandkids, I catch them in the lies, and they know they're lying. They won't even admit it, you know, and, you know, they they just think it's no big deal, you know. It's out there. Uh, Being dishonest, you know, and look at marriages, you know. People are just dishonest with the husband and wife or dishonest with one another. And how they're going to last. You know, it's not going to last. It'll usually all, I think the divorce rate is really high and and uh, being dishonest with one another is not very good. First um, John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. Verse 4. He says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandment, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. You know, the devil, he, he tries to plant that dishonesty. He, he's going to try to get you to be dishonest. I mean, are you dishonest in tithing? Are you dishonest in... Do you give... You know, we didn't talk about tithes. Do you give 10%? Do you give 10% of your time to the Lord? Do you give a tenth? How many of us do that? Not just saying, just throw them. It's easy to throw money in a pot. But how much do you give your time to the Lord? Reading, praying. We got so much to be praying for. I mean, our church, we, our church needs prayer. We got a lot of sickness in our church. And we just got to focus and keep, and, and, uh, keep, keep close to the Lord. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Being dishonest. My next point is deceit. The action or practice of deceiving someone by concealing or misrepresenting the truth. And we have a lot of that today. You got all these uh, 
and I've seen it, I don't even know where I saw it at, probably on Facebook. They were showing these, these preachers that heal people. And people just, he just throw his hand out, about 30 of them would hit the floor. And I'm like, surely y'all can't believe that. You know, there's, there's no power in man. There's nothing in him. And people fall for that. It just just blows me away. And that, you know, it, it, just, it just cracks me up how people think. But in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, on deceit, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved." That is so true, you know, deceit. Uh, then you got, you know, God says don't add and take away from his word. More people will, you know, not come close to, to, to the King James Version. They will not because they say they can't understand it. But they want a Bible that makes them feel good. They say, oh, it explains it easier. But if you if you study, you, you'll see how much they've taken out of the Word of God and added to the Word of God. It, it's so far off, and that's some of the the, the uh, deceitfulness that the, that this world is offering. And people don't want to hear the truth. We come in here, and and I think we're blessed that we have a pastor that preaches the truth as we are and, and reveals it, and has no problem in it, and not come in here and just try to put a little icing on it, make you so so y'all can feel good and uh, feel good and go home like nothing's happened, you know. But you know, a lot of times, you know, I, when I hear the truth being preached, you know, he sometimes I think he's he's the only one speaking to me because you know I thought like he beat me up, you know. And God uses uses pastors, he uses people, places, things, and circumstances to get your attention. And uh, changing God's word don't work. They change it into a lie. Second John chapter one. Second John chapter one. On this point. Second John. I don't know why I said Second John chapter one. Second John one seven. And many deceivers are entered. Into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come into flesh, but is a deceiver and an antichrist. There are many deceivers coming into this world to draw you away, to draw we I ain't gonna name churches, but there's some, you know, they do this satellite church, they do all these other things. They ain't preaching nothing because one morning I sit there and watched it. I watched about fifteen minutes, they ain't even talked nothing about the Lord. They didn't even talk nothing about God's word. All it was is singing and jumping and hollering and 
But they said nothing. You know, and people like that. They, it draws them in. And I, and, and I think that's one of the things that the devil uses. To the, He's trying his best to destroy the churches, especially our true churches that still stand for truth. I mean, how many, do we have, how many can you find that's still standing for the truth? There's not that many out there. It's hard to find. Even if they even if they say they are preaching the truth, they're, they're not with the with the, they don't use the King James version. They're using some other different version. This next point is defame or slander. You know, in the Book of Psalms, in the Book of Psalms, one hundred one. Psalms 101, verse 5. Whoso privately slanders his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath and a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. How often are Christians are guilty criticizing or, or criticizing other believers? You know, you say, well... They ain't nobody like that in there. I said, well, it could be. You might have that one person that likes to stir up the pot, you know, cause issues in the church or whatever it could be. Um, I've seen that in, in some other churches I've, I've been to where somebody wanted to talk about somebody, you know, and it's, you know, gossip will destroy a church. It will exactly destroy it. But in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with, my all, with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Do we forgive? We forget what God did for us. I mean, I was on my way to hell. Didn't even know it. Didn't care. Didn't care about church. Didn't care about nothing. But Christ died for me. He forgave me. Without the shedding of the blood, there's no remission of sins. And he forgave me. He nailed it. I nailed him to the cross. That's where that's where my sin at at the foot of Jesus. You know, I, I think about the cross, high and lifted up. You know, and think of what he did for me. Gave me eternal life. My, my next point is discord. You know. Like I said earlier, the, the gossip in a local church, you know, gossip will destroy the church. In a book of Romans chapter, let's see, Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. 
For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. I want to stay away from people like that. I cannot stand negativity. I got There's a guy I work with. You can't say nothing good. I mean, it's just, you can make a comment, and I, I mean, or I can comment to him something out of the Bible or whatever. We talk about it. And he always got something negative to say about it. Or they got something negative to say about somebody else. You know, they're like, well, that person, you know, he's, he's a joke going on, blah, blah. I said, do you really know that guy? You know, you, I mean, you're just looking at that outward appearance, you know. And uh, there's just so much uh, discord, I mean, and gossip and carrying on. Uh, it is sad. Uh, let's turn over to the book of Proverbs. I know I've shown a lot of the scriptures. Proverbs chapter 6, beginning with verse 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, a hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devices uh, wicked imagination, feet that are be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Don't have to say any more. God pretty much explained it. You know, I can't add nothing to it. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. My next point is defilement. Defilement with the things of the world. God insists upon clean vessels. A believer who defiles himself with the things of this world can never be fully used by God. And we all know that. First uh, Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3. Beginning with verse 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Know ye not that are in the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive, you, deceive himself, if any among you seemeth to be wise in the world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that are in vain. You know, defilement. You know, we, you know where we go, the Lord, Christ lives within us. You know, does does. Do people see Christ in you? Do they see a light? Do people that... You don't have to say anything when you're trying to be an effective witness. Especially where I work at, it's really hard because I got more enemies at work than I do. You know, God's on my side, which they don't, it don't matter now what, what they think of where I want. But the devil, you know, he tries to use people to drag you down. 
and he does a good job at it. Sometimes he either, I had a little confrontation with a, a, a fellow employee, and and I I was I was ready to blow my top because he was saying stuff to me. I was like, you know, I, I'm not I'm not listening to it. But he just kept on and on and, and would not let up. And I just stepped back and I just I just let it go, let it go. You gotta let it go, you know. And a lot of times <clears throat> we get that we and and because I, I don't want to show if they see something in me because they're looking for something where I can mess up, and they're going to use it against you. You you know, and you say. Uh, they talk like, you know, they, they want to try to make you cuss or whatever or curse or say things you shouldn't say. And they're, and they're looking for that so you can fall. And that's why we got to keep on. We got to, we got to think before we, we do it, you know. And it is hard out there. It's really hard out in this world. I mean, you got everywhere you go, there's somebody wanting to try to drag you down. And that's why we got to keep on. We we got to keep our vessels clean. We got to keep on keeping on and stay the closer you draw to the Lord, the better off you're going to be. God is in full control of all those things, and and we just got to depend upon Him. Uh, my next point is discontent, and this is one of Satan's favorite to tell people. That is better, you know, if they they go there elsewhere or, or do whatever they want to do. Uh, talk about marriage. A lot of people just disconnect. You know, they go, "Well, we'll get married if it don't work out. We'll just get divorced. I'll find somebody else." I mean, that's just the way the way people look at it today. Marriage is sacred. It's it's just one of the sacred things. You know, between a husband and a wife, you know, you become one. Yeah, you you're gonna have problems. We all have problems. You're going to have more, you know, more good days. You're going to have some problems. But, but you can work those things out. That's why we got to stay with, you know, closer to the Lord and, and stay drawn to Him. I guess I'm running out of time. <clears throat> but discontent. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, and we'll close with this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covenants and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. But a lot of people are not content with what they got. You know, the things that the Lord has given me and my wife, I don't deserve it. I'm content with what I got. You know, a lot of people, everybody, that's my little red truck, it finally died. Someone said, well, go and get you a new one. I'm like, I said, if I rather, I'd rather have that old red truck. I wish the engine was a little better, but I'd rather have that old truck because I was content with it. My wife, sometimes I put her on the spot. Well, you need to get you another truck. But I like this truck. I drive it. A lot of times she'll say, drive the other car. I said, but I'm going to drive this truck. It's just I, I just like driving an old truck. It don't look pretty. <laughs> the thing's falling apart, the engine going bad, whatever, you know. Broke down many times. But I was content with that. But are we content with what God has given us? We'll be dismissing our Sunday school. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you.